There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Nuanced Life and Happy Pride Month. We are so happy to be here today sharing three very special commemorations that we feel are related to pride and embracing your identity, and embracing hard conversations around LGBTQ rights and identity. So before we dive in, we did want to share that over on our other podcast, Pantsu Politics, we are about to celebrate 500 episodes, and we're just all in on the celebration. We're really taking the nuanced life spirit of commemorating important milestones to the celebration of our 500th episode. And if you are a listener at Pantsu Politics, We're asking you to share your special moments, favorite episodes, your nuanced journey with the hashtag PantsuitPolitics500. And if you haven't ever listened, perfect opportunity to pop on over and celebrate with us as we commemorate 500 episodes of Politics. One of the things we've been talking about is what we've learned over the course of 500 episodes. And I've realized that it's impossible for me to put that journey together without talking a lot about the nuanced life, that Mm -hmm. what we do on this podcast so molds and refines the way that I feel about myself and the world that I can't make pantsy politics without the nuanced life at this point in our journey. And I don't think that was clear to me until I really tried to put pen to paper and think about what I've been learning in this process. Yeah, agreed. Well, for our first commemoration today, we're hearing from Laura, who is thinking about parenting in a way that develops children who are going to be part of a more inclusive, beautiful, celebratory world. And Laura says that her delightfully independent, strong-willed, extraordinarily talkative, I strongly relate to this, Laura, four-year-old son, Grayson, is the subject of her commemoration today. She says he's a lot like her, which on the good parenting days means she understands him fairly well. And on the rough days, they butt heads and escalate due to their individual desires to be right or to have things done our own way. While parenting him and through a quarantine, no less, is worthy of a commemoration in my book, I specifically want to commemorate a moment that happened tonight, Laura writes. Tonight, I put Grayson to bed. We read a few books and had gotten settled for some bedtime snuggles. I had wrapped my left arm around him, and I'm assuming he saw my wedding ring, which triggered the following conversation. He said, Mommy, I want to marry you, but Daddy married you first, and now I can't. And she said, well, if mommy and daddy hadn't gotten married, we wouldn't have had you. When you're grown up, you'll meet someone special and then you can get married. And he said, well, when I grow up, if I can't marry you, then I don't want to get married at all. And then he was quiet for a minute and said, I know who I want to marry. Anna from Frozen. And she said, what do you like about her? 
And then he goes, I can't marry her. She married Kristoff. <laughs> Another pause. Then he said, with a slight questioning inflection, but not as a question directed at me, boys can marry boys. Girls can marry girls. Mommy, can boys marry boys? And Laura said, what do you think? And he said, yes. And she said, that's right, they can. And he said, then I want to marry Logan. And she said, what is it you like about Logan? He plays with me and talks to me. And she said, I think that being four is a really good time to just focus on being a good best friend. And Laura said, this is literally her favorite conversation she's ever had with him. And I think that it's a beautiful way to launch into a conversation about pride because a huge part of the work is normalizing lots of different ways to be a family. And Mm -hmm. I love that Laura followed her question sequence exactly the same way for I want to marry Lana and I want to marry Logan. What do you like about that person? That's A plus parenting, Laura. Yeah. And it's like normalizing is not reacting. It's just like, "Uh uh-huh. Interesting. Let's talk about that. Like, it's so hard because I think even subconsciously when our kids bring up what might be perceived as some as a, a tough topic, then although I don't believe it to be a tough topic, but my threshold is very high for what qualifies as a tough topic, even with my kids. Um, it's just not like bringing your anxiety into the conversation. And hopefully it'll be the first of many conversations about why loving someone of the same sex is normal and why that's just a part of an ongoing sort of spectrum of um, behaviors that we can talk about and that this isn't the last time that we will talk about it. A couple months ago, really early into the quarantine process, I was doing a news brief and Ellen was sitting in my lap, of course. And I was talking about Rick Grinnell, who is one of the highest ranking openly gay officials in the U.S. government. And while I don't think he is qualified for the position that he has currently, I am very happy that he is an advocate across the globe for gay rights and that a person like that is sitting in the Trump administration, you know, a person who's focused on those issues, especially globally. And so I got a message not long after I posted that news brief from someone who said, hey, it meant a lot to me that you talked about that with your four-year-old sitting in your lap because it was just so normal. And I didn't think about it at all with her sitting with me. But, you know, that's how far we have come in my family, because that would have been a topic of conversation in my household growing up. Whereas for me and more importantly for Jane and Ellen, it's just not even the idea of being uncomfortable around it doesn't occur to us. And I I feel really good about that. And I hope that Laura feels really good about that, too. Next up, we had a commemoration from Juliana. She says, my partner is a trans woman, and while for the first 10 and a half years I knew her, she was still presenting and self-identifying as male, it has been really good to see her blossom this last year and a half. As my girlfriend and I have walked through her transition and her parents have rejected her identity, we've read and listened to many voices. We've realized that we've internalized trans homophobia. We were raised Christian Church and Church of Christ. And try to reimagine what Scripture says beyond Dobson. I've told her so many times that whatever we're discussing is nuanced that she told me to find a new word. But it is. Life is so much more than both and more than either or. We have found a lovely United Church of Christ congregation in February just in time to start to connect and attend our first potluck before it all went virtual. 
I meant back in January to send you a commemoration. My girlfriend Jamie had told a couple of friends about her name and identity, but still had shown up as Jared to events and not really brought it up in a group setting. I've talked to a couple gals in our friends group. Two Jay had told. And one I knew another gal had told. But we were going to go over to another couple's house for a New Year's Eve party with our friend group. Jamie had been dressing and going to a trans support group on Fridays most of 2019 and had started hormones in the fall. She decided Jamie would show up to the party. I mentioned this to the hostess and she was supportive. I wasn't sure Jamie was going to get out the door. She bought a new dress and started getting ready, but then went down the hall and came back in boys' clothes. I told her no. I told her before we left the house that I didn't expect anyone to be mean, but if it sucked, we would just leave. So we got there late, but we're always late, and the host started to introduce Jay as Jared, and I interjected. And while some people weren't quite sure if Jay lost a bet or if this was a one-off thing, after talking with them, they were so affirming and welcoming. It was a little bit of a shocking way to handle it, but I feel like there isn't a non-shocking way. The host was mad that Jay hadn't confided in him, but they talked it out. And so when I got back to work after Christmas break, people asked how Christmas was, and Christmas was uneventful. But New Year's and the acceptance and love from our friends and the relief of them knowing was my highlight. And that's not easy to explain without a backstory. And now that I finally told two strangers on the internet, I need to address the other email I put off and tell my mom. God bless you both as you continue learning and helping our community seek truth and love and nuance. It really touches me that she emailed us and then decided that it was time to email her mom. I know. It also really touches me that they felt comfortable enough with this friend group to introduce this change or this shift or development in such a public way. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that that was an incredibly intense set of emotions, driving to that party, opening the door, getting through the first 10, 15 minutes of conversation. And what a testament to the people that you all have surrounded yourselves with to be able to do that and to be willing to take that risk. I think it says so much about how much love exists and how transcendent that love is in your lives and how you view it in that way. And honestly, just setting that example for your friends. Hello, here we are trusting you. Live up to our trust. I think it's beautiful. Well, and it's just another way to normalize it, right? We don't need a a 10-point plan or a ramp up and a connected relationship that's Based on love, then I should be able to show up as who I am and you react accordingly. I was just listening to uh, Becoming Wise on Beans, like little short podcast. And it was Cheryl Salzberg, who's one of the meditation leaders on the 10% Happier app, among many, many other things. I mean, she's just an amazing expert. But she was talking about how we think of love as sort of weak. And it's really like we think of it as being passive, but that is really a force. It is power. And I think that that... This decision and to show up as who you are and to trust your friends, to be supportive and to support your growth. Like, I just think that that is showing love as a force instead of thinking about love as something sort of weak and passive that we just have to depend on to come to us. But rather, you know, using it as and believing in it as a energy and momentum in and of itself. This is a little bit. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
bit of a detour, but just walk with me for a second. One of our longtime listeners and friends, Kim, sent an article, a Medium post over the weekend by Catherine Pugh. And the thesis of this Medium post is that the idea of being a white ally is garbage because it implies that white people are trying to sort of help black people on the journey to eradicating racism. And that is another way of asking black people to really carry the burden of cleaning up white people's mess. And she says, you know, the fact of the matter is racism was not created by black people. It is not maintained and supported and covered up by black people. It is a mess that white people have made and white people are responsible for cleaning that mess up. So don't think of yourself as an ally. Think of yourself as a good person who sees the need and hurt of your neighbor recognizes your own contribution to it and gets into action trying to fix it. And I just thought it was a super powerful piece that really kind of put a lot of pieces that I've been reading in other places together for me. So I bring it up here because that underlying sentiment of we make a lot of things complicated that are really not that complicated, and we put a lot of language around things that is complex, when the underlying thing is, like, just be a good person who loves other people and look for all the ways that you can do that and be aware of all the ways that you make just being a good person in the world harder for people who have different life experiences than you. It seems to me to, like, gel around the experience of being a good friend to Juliana and her partner, Jamie, because you could have that 10-point plan and everybody could wring their hands about what this means and when it happened and how they saw it and how they are to understand it. Or you could just see Juliana Mm -hmm. and Jamie at the party and say, we love you and we're happy for you and thank you for telling us. Well, because I think responding in love means not making it about you. (sighs) Oh, are you shocked or offended or caught off guard? All important and also important as a self-aware adult to put some important brackets about around that and move forward, realizing that this moment is not about you. If it's important for you to be sort of well represented, then how you respond matters more than anything else. You know what I mean? Like in that moment, it's not about you in the only way. To make it about you is to respond with ugliness and without love. I think that's a good segue to our commemoration from E, who has listened since 2017. We so appreciate that. And E says, it took me until the middle of last year that I finally internalized something profound about myself. I realized I am a transgender woman and have started moving forward since then on medically transitioning. I started hormones earlier this year and have already experienced notable changes. I am fortunate that my province covers medication and other transition-related medical care. These past 10 months have been incredible for deepening my personal relationships. I've had more authentic conversations and been reciprocated with authenticity in return than I had in my entire life up until then. I've been incredibly lucky that everyone I've told so far has been accepting. When I came out to a trans cousin of mine, we talked for two hours. I have started tearing down many barriers to my true thoughts and feelings and have an easier time expressing them. And I've connected with the transgender community offline and online and made new friends within those communities. I haven't told my immediate family yet. I'm really scared of how they'll react. I want to believe that they would be supportive, 
but I'm going to prepare for the worst. Right now, I'm living at home with them, and as I am dealing with mental health issues and unemployment, my plan is in the next month or two to compose a letter with a list of resources, give it to them, and then leave the house and hang out with a friend. I don't think I'm in physical danger, but I have delayed coming out to them because I would rather not deal with invasive questions about how I came to this realization and why I didn't show any signs growing up. I don't believe I should have to justify myself or my preferred gender, but I want to have a response to that line of inquiry beyond none of your business. Next week, I'll be going to a therapy session for the first time and be getting my first session of laser hair removal. These are not the largest steps of my transition, but they are both important to me. I want to commemorate these small steps in a larger journey. I want to live a more fulfilling and authentic life and surround myself with people who can accept and support me. I'm grateful to live somewhere I can do this and hopeful about my progress. The carefulness through which E articulates her journey, particularly the the precautions around telling her family is... uh, I just think sometimes when we get to Pride Month, we want to be open and accepting and there's sort of corporate responses and cultural moments and it becomes sort of a societal experience in a lot of ways that we forget that there are lives at the center of all this. And so you know, hearing her like just take such a careful emotional journey that is so fraught and the stakes are so high. And just to like witness her bravery on an individual level is the most beautiful expression of pride I could possibly think about. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think that part of what we're circling around is that loving other people is just not a task. You know, and we treat it that way a lot in the course of Pride Month. I think businesses in particular have turned pride into a task. I think we're seeing that happen around Black Lives Matter right now, too, where a lot of corporate entities are saying, well, I've got some boxes to check. And so I'll check those. And what we're all really being called to, I think, is just a a more loving earth. And the people who have not been loved well enough for far too long are, are saying, hey, we've not been loved well enough for far too long. And we've done everything we can to tell you that. And you got to fix it now. And I think that's why I just had no patience for reading Justice Alito's dissent in the Title VII case that the Supreme Court recently decided where the court said that sex discrimination encompasses discrimination against people who are gay or trans because you can't decide to discriminate against them without knowing something about their sex. That's the majority opinion. And it was written by someone who social conservatives were really excited to have on the court, and now they are very angry at him. But Justice Alito, in his dissenting opinion, just did what we've been talking about, like made something relatively simple, exceptionally complex. And in a way that is so hurtful and so unnecessarily hurtful. And I think the more we can just back off of all the questions, I mean, it just broke my heart thinking about E waiting to tell her family because of that concern about a bunch of invasive questions. Like, why? 
There are so many things people who I love do that I do not understand, and then I don't Mm -hmm. probe because I love those people. I don't understand why we can't make that leap to however a person chooses to express his or her or their gender identity. Well, it's just, again, you don't need to move forward in acceptance through a place of reason and logic. I know our society likes reason and logic, and we all are products of the Enlightenment, and we think that the only way to come to understanding is through our brains. And I think with LGBTQ community, with sexuality, with gender, with biological sex, all these things, like, just, we don't, there's so much out there, like, that we still don't understand That is an entire universe of individual experiences that are impossible to conceptualize as one person. So just stop trying to get at this through your brain. Use your heart. When we don't have complete knowledge about under something, when we couldn't get there anyway because there is such diversity of experience along the spectrum of identity and sexuality, then let's Let's stop leaning on that. It's not getting us anywhere. Let's use our hearts. Let's let them lead the way and understand that we don't have to have the answer to every question to be accepting and that love and acceptance can feel scary. And that's okay. And that, again, it's not about you. (laughs) It's not about you. It's not about supporting the person because you can understand and articulate it. Because I think a lot of that comes from a fear of how am I going to explain it to everybody else? Well, Who cares? That's not the point. That's not the point. So many families have been torn apart because people were more concerned about how their actions would be perceived by their peers than how their actions would feel to their loved ones. And I hope as we celebrate another Pride Month, we can continue to leave that behind. Leave it behind. Who cares what people think about you and your family member and your child and your friend? If you love them, that's enough. That's what they need. And also, like in a lot of scenarios, if you love them, everybody else will follow your lead. We often, through our actions, give other people permission to do what we're doing. And we can lead in a way that is loving and accepting and open and, and curious in a way that is healthy instead of invasive. Because it sounds to me like E is a person who is brimming over with untold stories, who has so much to say to herself and to the world. And those are the questions to ask, not weird, invasive, logistical questions about this process, you know. And I don't mean to say in any of my comments today that our journeys around race are the same as our journeys around LGBTQ issues. They are certainly different in many respects. What I do keep thinking about as a person in the majority, the oppressive majority around both the experiences of being LGBTQ and the experience of being a person who is not white in the country, is my responsibility to both of those communities. And I just feel you know, a strong sense of we have we have got to do better, everybody in my categories, because even the conception of what is traditional 
is such a recent and arbitrary convention. Because of Jane's interest in mythology, my whole family is going through like a renaissance of our education around mythology. And it's been a beautiful reminder of lots of big questions that people have been asking forever, you know, what every civilization kind of grapples with. It's also been a good reminder of how fluid the understanding of gender was and how fluid the viewpoints on sexuality were at the beginning of kind of civilizations as we study them. And that a lot of the conventions that we live under today that we talk about like their natural law or ancient principles just are not. Um, mm-hmm. That we are deceiving ourselves about what the world's design has to be. And we know my husband and I have been having this conversation in connection with the statue discussion, statues and monuments. To me, this is such an exciting time to be alive because we can look forward and say, what do we want to create? Instead of what are we bound by? What do we have to preserve? What do we want to create? And I want to create a world where E and Jamie and Juliana and Grayson, whatever decisions he makes in life, all of them feel like they can just be who they are and be celebrated for that and loved for it. And I'm really happy to share this Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Update that we received from E since first writing her commemoration. She says, The last few months have been harder to connect in person, but I have deepened friendships with other trans folks online, which has helped a lot. I got two sessions of laser hair removal done in the last month, which has been great. I haven't been able to go to therapy, which is a struggle. I've presented as female outside a couple times, which has been scary, but it was fine. I'm still unemployed, but I'm afloat financially. It's been tough for my mental health, but I can see movement in much of my life, even if it's just small things day to day. I think that's a great place to end our commemorations for Pride Month. We really appreciate your time. Every time you tune in, subscribe, rate or review an episode of The Nuance Life, and we will be back in your ears on Friday over at Paint Soup Politics. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener-supported. Go to patreon.com slash the nuance life. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuanced Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuanced Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.